I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Morgan Stanley. Today's Tuesday, April 20th. Dogecoin is up, the U.S. may cut down on the amount of nicotine allowed in cigarettes, and we're focused on the future of organized labor. Workers at Amazon's warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, last month rejected unionizing by more than a two-to-one margin. Or to be more specific, the 55% of workers who bothered to cast a ballot voted two-to-one against organizing. Disappointing supporters like Senators Bernie Sanders, Marco Rubio, and even President Biden. Workers in Alabama and all across America are voting on whether to organize a union in their workplace. This is vitally important. The vote was specific to one facility in one town, but it had gained national attention. We even did a whole show about it. Both supporters and opponents viewed Bessemer as the straw that could break the back of big tech's efforts to prevent unionization. It was also viewed even more broadly as a test of how far the modern labor movement can go. Following last fall's passage of a California ballot initiative that classified Uber and Lyft and DoorDash drivers as contractors rather than as employees. Meanwhile, there's also a new bill in Congress that could strengthen all unions. My name is Stuart Applebaum. I'm the president of the Retail, Wholesale and Department Store Union. And you could call me Stuart. Applebaum had been helping a group of Amazon workers organize since shortly after the Bessemer facility opened in early 2020. Workers had complained to him about the pace of work and just how physically grueling it was. The union couldn't go visit with employees at their homes because of the pandemic, so instead it met with them outside the gates of the Amazon facility. Amazon started fighting right away. So, for instance, they would tell people that if there were a union at the facility, they were going to have to pay a lot of money in union dues. Amazon went to the government and ask them to change the time sequencing of the traffic lights to reduce the ability of union organizers to even speak to workers as they came to and left from work each day. The union fight captured the nation's attention, but the votes didn't go the way Applebaum hoped. When people voted, They were not saying that they were satisfied with Amazon's working conditions and the way it treats its employees. What the vote results really demonstrate is the powerful impact of employer intimidation and interference and how Amazon forced people to be afraid to vote for the union. Look at what they said during the campaign. They told people that if the union came in, Amazon might have to shut down the facility. They told people that if there were a union, people might lose the benefits they already had. A lot of people came up to us and said, I felt I had to vote against the union, but I hope you win. They were afraid to vote for the union. And I think that was pretty clear. Amazon knew what it was doing. People ask about the celebrity support that we received from Congress people, from President Biden, from Bernie Sanders, um, and from football players and others. I don't think that people decided to vote for the union because of that support. But what I think it did do 
was tell people that you can take the union seriously and decide on your own whether or not you wanted to support the union. Applebaum also thinks the pandemic hindered union support. This is a very wide margin, nearly 70 percent, more than 70 percent of votes were no in favor of Amazon. In the end, Applebaum still thinks this failed union effort had a positive impact. I think that we initiated a global discussion about the way that Amazon treats its employees, and Amazon is losing that debate. And I think that became evident when Jeff Bezos put out a letter to shareholders saying that they need to treat their workers better. That was astounding. Jeff Bezos was acknowledging what we were saying, that workers were not being treated well. It's people saw for themselves what a union-busting campaign looks like. And that has transformed public opinion. A recent poll said that more than 77% of the American public supported the desire of Amazon workers to have a union. And that's extraordinary. Um, We also saw a reinvigoration of the labor movement through this campaign, no matter what the vote result was in this first vote. We are filing objections. We are demanding the new election. But I also think that people have been inspired And I know they've been inspired to see the workers in Bessemer standing up to this powerful company and the wealthiest person in the history of the world. I am not discouraged. We held a rally in Alabama two days after the vote count was announced. And members of the organizing committee met together for hours talking about what comes next and how they are not backing down, that they plan to stay strong and that they're going to keep on fighting in Bessemer and we're going to be there supporting them. That may be true, but Bessemer wasn't the only recent defeat for an effort to boost worker power over tech companies. In a moment, we'll look back at some of the reasons that California voters embraced Prop 22, which kept people like Uber drivers and DoorDash delivery workers as contractors instead of employees. Just like Amazon spent a lot of money and time defeating the union effort in Alabama, companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash spent lavish amounts to keep their workers classified as independent contractors rather than as employees with full benefits. Steve Smith is the communications director for the California Labor Federation. Proposition 22 was a ballot measure put forth by Uber, DoorDash, and Lyft. Those companies spent $220 million here in California on the campaign to pass Prop 22. Just to put that in context, that's more money than any one campaign has spent in the history of America to pass a ballot measure. It didn't surprise us at all to see uh, Postmates, to see Instacart join with the other companies. What we didn't expect was $220 million. And our internal polling showed that uh, until the very end, 
this was a close race. These companies put $20 million into advertising in the final week alone. That's as much money as we had for the entire campaign. You know, what we know from history on ballot measures here in California is if you have a lot of money, it's very hard to defeat a campaign. So Prop 22 made them independent contractors permanently, even though the law in California recognizes that they are not independent contractors. They are employees that are entitled to full benefits and rights. Smith says that both the California vote and the Amazon defeat show the need for labor laws to be changed update labor law for the 21st century. Going back 50, 75 years, we never saw anti-union campaigns like we're seeing now. At the end of the day was the issue in Bessemer, and it's the issue in so many other places around the country when workers try to join a union, when they're going up against those types of resources. It would put real penalties in the law. So when companies like Amazon, like Uber, like Lyft, threaten, harass, and intimidate workers, they actually would have to pay very hefty fines. Those are the kinds of things that we have to do in order uh, to give workers a chance to organize in this environment. Uh, the organizing is going to continue. The bottom line is that the organizing is going, it's going to be very difficult for it to be successful if we continue to allow these companies free reign uh, to threaten workers at will. I asked how many workers were impacted here. We know that there are tens of millions uh, of workers across this country in these types of jobs, also uh, subcontracted jobs, other forms of, of fissuring of the workplace that we've seen uh, sprout up in recent years. Um, and they're growing. We know that they're growing and they'll continue to grow uh, as a result of, of how our economy is changing. So uh, the question for policymakers right now is how do we create that stability? How do we get rid of the precarity uh, that these workers face each and every day on the job? In 15 seconds, we'll be back with the policy questions currently facing Congress. Welcome back. What we're watching is the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, or the PRO Act. Here's what you need to know. First, the PRO Act would require new disclosures by employers, like how much they spent on labor lawyers. Two, it would put new limits on what employers can and can't do during an organizing effort. For example, an employer would no longer be able to force workers to attend meetings in which management makes its anti-union case. And we're not the only ones keeping a close eye on the PRO Act. Here's Steve Smith again. What we've seen is an escalation of how many resources these companies are willing to put into a fight to stop workers from organizing. That troubles us. That sends a, a, a very troubling signal for the future. Uh, the PRO Act, which has been introduced into Congress, passed the House of Representatives, and now is before the Senate, uh, is a law that would actually change the rules so that workers could have a fair shot. Stuart Applebaum agrees. Here he is one more time. I think that the other thing that is proven by this campaign is that labor law in this country is deficient and there needs to be labor law reform. The bottom line? Organized labor has taken two very high-profile shots against big tech in the past six months, missing them both. 
Now it may need to wait for Congress to help even the playing field before it takes shot number three. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Amy Padula, Sabina Sangani, and Alex Sugiara. Have a great national Cheddar Fries Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.